You're listening to a Garden City Chapel podcast. For a complete list of podcasts, visit our website at www.gardencitychapel.com. Well, amen. Wow. Can't preach after that, your wood's wet. I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 28. I've been preaching through the book of Acts this summer, and uh, some of our folks who come regularly have wondered, how are you going to get through 28 chapters in 20 weeks? Well, hey, we're there. We're at the 28th chapter. I've capsulized some things. It's been incredible to see this journey through Acts. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. The Gospel of Luke covered... About 30 plus years because it started with the birth of Christ and was mainly interested in those three years, roughly three years of Christ's ministry. And you look at a book like Acts and you wonder about how much time has taken place. Well, again, over 30 years that it's covered from the resurrection of Christ, his ascension into heaven, the commissioning of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the calling of the Apostle Paul, who formerly was known as Saul. And you read some of the chapters and you kind of think, how much time's taken place? And you, you see just a little blurb about, well, he was there for two years. And you kind of think, you can kind of gloss over it, not acknowledge that by the 28th chapter of Acts, Paul has been a believer for almost 30 years. Now, there are times that he had been in one area for a certain period of time. There's other times that he had been taken from one place to another. God had promised him that he would get to Rome. And we find him in Rome. In fact, we believe nothing's written about the end of of Paul's life, but we believe that he eventually got to Spain and then came back to Rome. And this time, that's where he was put to death. And so we see the Apostle Paul, and the title of the message today is simply this, how you've got to hear this. I thought about what do you do with good news? How many of you yesterday, after a football game, called somebody? Oh, no, come on. Be, all right, texted somebody, emailed, used mental telepathy to communicate. I mean, how many of you, because your team won, you had to call somebody? Now, I'm not going to talk to the ones if your team lost and you had to call someone to be consoled. But what do we do with good news? We like to share good news. Well, that's what Paul has been doing. And you've got to hear this. It had so impacted Paul's life that he was never the same for 30 years. Paul had gone where it was unpopular. Paul had gone where it was uncomfortable. Paul had gone in the face of death. Paul had gone through beatings. And he ultimately got put on a boat and sailed through horrendous weather. In fact, I really believe it was just the sovereign grace of God that this whole boat got to its destination. In fact, Paul told him, listen, God's told me you're going to be saved. Just listen up. And so they, through great peril, got to Rome. And so when I ask the question, how good is your good news? Paul's good news was enough that that's all he preached the last 30 years of his life. How about your good news? I'm convicted that sometimes we're more excited about the outcome of a football game than we are about what Jesus Christ has done in our life. 
And I just want to say, if you really have been impacted by Christ for all of eternity, it'll affect the way you live. It certainly did the Apostle Paul. He changed his name. He used to be named, named Saul. We know him now as Paul. Let, let me read this passage out of Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 17 and following. I'll read the whole passage. Then we're going to unpack some of these words. After three days, Paul called together those who were the leading men of the Jews. And when they had come together, he began saying to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they were willing to release me because there was no ground for putting me to death. But when the Jews objected, I was forced to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any accusation against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I requested to see you and to speak with you, for I'm wearing this chain for the sake of the hope of Israel. They said to him, we've neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren come here reported or spoken anything bad about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for concerning this sect. It is known to us that it is spoken against everywhere. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him in his lodging in large numbers. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving After Paul had spoken one parting word, the Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to our father, saying, Go to this people and say, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. And you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return And I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will also listen. We see Paul now really in his final word to a group of Jews and Jewish leaders in Rome. He's finally gotten to Rome. Been there just a few days. In fact, verse 16, the verse I didn't read, basically said, we, and we, we see Luke now united with Paul, when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. And I'm one of those, when I read stuff like that in Scripture, I'm thinking, no, wait a minute, he wasn't by himself if a soldier was guarding him. Well, let me give you the context of Paul. In fact, if you read the letters that Paul wrote, like Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians and so forth, we find that he often wrote chained to a Roman guard. In fact, Paul typically did not handwrite. He had someone write for him as he dictated. And so he's chained to a guard. And that's the condition Paul finds himself in here. They did give him some special privileges. He wasn't in jail necessarily. He was, he was apparently in some rented quarters, in a, like a rented apartment. And people could come and go and see him. And so he called together the leading men of Rome, these leading Jewish people from Rome. And that's what Paul's mode of operation had been. Every time Paul went into a town, he went to the synagogue first, typically. Why? Because Paul was a Jew. And Paul knew what they knew, but they didn't know what he knew. 
You see, Paul had persecuted this sect that became known as Christ ones or Christians. And so Paul went back to people that he dearly loved. In fact, let me just give you a picture of Paul's heart. Paul said in one of his letters, I would be willing to suffer eternal condemnation if it meant that my brothers would come to know Christ. My own family. He means the Jewish people. And so when Paul gets to Rome, he asks, hey, religious leaders, come. I want to meet with you. Now, that's what Paul's mindset is, chained to a Roman guard. If I'm ever chained to a Roman guard, I'm going to ask for help. But I'm going to be sending letters that say something like this. Come get me out. Bake me a cake with a file in it. That wasn't Paul's attitude at all. Why? Because Paul desperately wanted these people to know the truth of Jesus Christ. Paul had good news and he couldn't wait to tell it. And so he calls the leading men together. And the first thing he said is simply this. Listen, I don't know what you've heard about me. You ever done that? You ever kind of walked into a room where you think people have been talking about you and you say, you know, I don't know what you've heard about me, but let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you my side of the story. So he starts out by saying, I don't know what you've heard, but listen, I haven't done anything against our nation. I haven't done anything against the customs of our fathers. Paul's saying, I'm one of you. I haven't done anything to bring me to this place, and yet because I've so upset the Jews, I'm now shackled, chained to a Roman guard. Let me tell you what the Jews were upset about. First of all, they were upset that Paul preached resurrection from the dead. Some of the Jews, the Pharisees, believed in resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees did not. Ticked them off when he started talking about resurrection from the dead. That wasn't bad enough. Second thing he preached was that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. Why did that upset them? Because they were convinced they had killed him. And they had even believed a lie that was circulated, that the reason you can't find his body is that his disciples had stolen his body. Because that's the lie that the religious leaders told the guards guarding the body of Christ. That's what they paid them to tell everybody. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're populating a lie, if you're telling folks, yeah, you know what, he really rose from the dead, and it's ultimately going to cost you your life, you're going to stop lying pretty quick, right up to the point when they say, we're going to kill you. If it wasn't true, you would have said, you know what, All that, I've been saying this for a long time, but let me tell you the inside scoop here. No, the disciples largely suffered incredibly bad death because they couldn't say anything other than the truth. And so Paul called him and said, listen, I haven't done anything against you. They were also upset that he was claiming Jesus is the Messiah. The Jews believed in the Messiah. They believed the Old Testament prophecy that a Messiah is coming. Problem is, they had painted a picture in their mind of what the Messiah would look like, and Jesus didn't fit the artist's rendering. And the last thing they were upset about is they claimed he desecrated the temple. How? Because he was bringing Gentile converts into the temple. And really what they were upset about, too, is Paul apparently was putting Gentiles on the same level as Jews. Because he was claiming the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so even though he had no accusation against his nation, he says, I'm wearing these chains for the sake of the hope of Israel. 
Paul could have gotten out of his chains. Paul could have gotten out of the beatings. He could have gotten out of being put to death ultimately. He could have gotten out of being chained for two years, in this case, to a Roman guard by simply hushing. If he had just shut his mouth and quit preaching, he could have been free. But what was more passion for Paul was this. The hope of Israel has come. I've got good news, and I've got to tell you. And so what Paul does is, is explain to them through the pages of the Old Testament that Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of this long-awaited Messiah. So Paul says, I haven't done anything worthy of death. In fact, the people that have tried me, Felix and Festus and Agrippa, they've all agreed. He's not worthy to be put to death. He really hasn't done anything. We can't find any grounds to put him to death. And yet... They were so concerned about what the Jews thought that they kept him in prison. And the Jews that he calls to him says, Paul, listen, we haven't heard anything about you, which surprises me. If he's being sent from Jerusalem to Caesarea, had a trial there, ultimately he's sent on to Rome. If the Jews really thought they had a case, don't you think they would have gotten... Word to Rome, Paul's on his way. Stand up for our case. Help, help with the prosecution. And there's a few reasons I think that word didn't get to Rome. For one, we know that Paul's ship was probably the last one out of harbor and probably the first one to get to Rome. Because when the weather got bad, typically ships found a harbor and they wintered there. And so maybe word hadn't gotten there. I think more than that, I think they had already decided we don't have a case. So they didn't send word because they realized it's pointless. Nothing's going to happen. He's appealed to Caesar. And Paul did that not as an offense. He did it out of defense. Paul wasn't the accuser. He was the accused. And so he appealed to Caesar. Word hadn't gotten because of maybe the word didn't get there because the ship didn't leave in time. Or maybe they didn't think they had a case. The third thing is their plan was to kill Paul. I talked about this last week. A group of 40 men took an oath. We're not going to eat or drink anything again until Paul is dead. And they put a plan in place, and it became known to the guards. And so Paul appeals to Caesar. They get him out of town, heading to Rome. Again, I'm one that reads that, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. They said they wouldn't eat anymore for 40 days? I guess they all died of starvation. Because Paul didn't die for years after their oath. I don't know. We'll find that out later, I guess. What happened to those men? But they say, we want to hear your views on this sect. Paul, we hadn't heard about you, really. Hadn't heard anything bad about you. But we've heard about this sect. That's what they called it. This splinter group. This group of heretics, basically. We want to hear your views on that. Because it's not spoken well of. The word that was getting to Rome, to these Jewish leaders, was Christians. Bad stuff. Now, there were Christians in Rome. There were churches in Rome at this time. But the Jews looked down on them as simply a splinter group that was filled with pagans and heretics. What do people think about Christians today? I know, you know, we used to claim that the United States was a Christian nation. I certainly believe it was founded on Christian principles. But, folks, it's not politically correct to be an authentic believer anymore. It's okay to be religious. It's really okay to go to church if that's all you talk about. But you start talking about Jesus Christ having paid the penalty for your sin and that apart from Him, 
You'll spend eternity separated from God. That's not politically correct. In fact, it's not even politically correct in some of the churches today. And yet Jesus said over in Luke, he said, listen, beware when everybody speaks good about you. (laughs) So if you want to live the kind of life where people only have good things to say about you, what you'll end up doing is just kind of going along with the flow. Just act like everybody else. If Paul had done that, he wouldn't have been chained. If Paul had done that, he wouldn't have been put to death. But folks, if Jesus has really changed your life, you got to tell them because you got good news. Let's look at Paul's appeal. Basically, they set a time, Paul, we don't have everybody here, and, and we're going to set a time, we're going to set a day, we're all coming back to hear you. So they brought some more people that said, it said they came in large numbers, meaning more in quantity. I think they filled the place up. Everybody wanted to hear from the Apostle Paul. And so he testified about the kingdom. And he says, it says that he was trying to persuade them concerning Jesus. Do you know in other parts of the world that's what they call preachers? They call them persuaders. When I was in Eastern Europe, they didn't call me preacher. They said, now you're a persuader. I thought, you know what? I never thought about it that way, but that's really what you're doing. You're trying to tell people the truth and persuade them to respond to the truth. So these Jewish people have come in large numbers. And Paul does this. He speaks to them from the law of Moses and the prophets. What's he done? He's opened up the Old Testament. He's unrolled the scrolls and he showed them point after point, 330 prophecies just about the birth of Christ. As so he takes him, he says, you see where it's been promised the Messiah is coming? He's come. We killed him. But God raised him from the dead. And so Paul, the persuader, preaches from morning to evening. Some of you are nervous because you're thinking he's only got five minutes left. We're going to be out here by noon. Paul preached from morning till evening. And it was just from part of the Old Testament. From the law of Moses, basically the Torah. I was in Israel a couple of years ago, and one of these Jewish people came up to one of our group, and he had the whole garb on, and he simply said, listen, I know you're Christians, but let me just advise you, read the Torah, and when you come to a law, obey it. And the woman with our group looked at me and said, I ain't reading the Torah. What about you, Robert? You going to read the Torah? I was like, well, I already have. It's the first five books of the Bible. It's okay. So what does Paul do? He opens up the Torah. He opens up the prophets. He shows them where Jesus Christ has been prophesied. And He fulfilled every prophecy all the way from His birth to His death and His resurrection. And from morning to night, He preaches. And I see happen here what I see happen other places in the Gospel. When the Gospel is preached, division takes place. Some believe. Some of these people recognize, you know what? He's right. They knew the Scripture. And He's right. Jesus fulfills what we've been waiting on. That's the Messiah. Some believed, some didn't. In fact, they ended up getting in an argument with themselves. And it says they left after Paul gave them one parting word. (laughs) Well, it's more than one word. It was just kind of the last thing that Paul said to them. Some are persuaded, some are not. Folks, listen, the cross is a stumbling block. It was a stumbling block to the Jews. Why? Because their view of the Messiah is he's going to ride in on a white horse and he's going to set up an earthly kingdom and we're going to quit being harassed by the Romans. We're going to get sit on thrones with him. And that's not 
what the prophecy was about. That's not what Jesus fulfilled. And so they couldn't accept that because of the cross. They didn't understand that the cross was the way to a crown. They just couldn't get that. Folks, Colossians 1, who Paul also wrote, verse 18 says this, The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And folks, don't mind you talking about religious stuff until you get to the cross. They didn't like it in Paul's day. They don't like it in your day. So that's Paul's appeal. Let's look finally at his parting word. It says they didn't agree with each other. There wasn't harmony even among the Jews. They're not arguing with Paul anymore. They're arguing with each other. And they began leaving, but Paul spoke one parting word. In fact, he quoted Isaiah 6, verses 9 and following. Jesus had quoted it in a similar context in Matthew's Gospel. Paul wrote it in the book of Romans, quoting the same passage. What is it? It's a prophecy. If you know Isaiah 6, 1 through 8 is where Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. He confesses he's a man of unclean lips. He lives among a people of unclean lips. The angel goes with tongs and takes a coal off the fire and touches Isaiah's lips. And he hears a voice say, who will go for us? Who will I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And here's what God told him to go tell people. He says, Go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You'll keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they've closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. You know what? That's really good news. Paul says the last thing to these Jews who would have known this verse. This was out of their Bible. They knew it. And Paul says, you're going to keep on hearing, but you're not going to understand. Literally, you're not going to, you're not going to comprehend. You can't take the information and put it together. That's what the word means. Their problem was not lack of information. Their problem was the information went in one ear and out the other. Parents, you ever looked at your kids and said, are you listening to me? <laughs> Because you know words are coming out of your mouth. There's just no acknowledgement from their face that they're hearing anything you're saying. Oh, they're listening. They've just tuned you out. It's kind of going in one ear and out the other. So Paul says, you're going to keep on hearing. In fact, you're going to even see stuff pass before your eyes. But you're not going to put it together. You're not even going to perceive. In fact, it's a double negative means you're not going to see it. You won't even know it when you're looking at it. You ever seen those pictures sometimes in the newspaper where something's changed from one picture to the other? You have to stare at it a long time and you start realizing, yeah, there's four or five things that in this picture aren't like that picture. You've got to comprehend to get that. What Paul is saying to the Jews is, you're looking at the two pictures and not seeing any difference. And you can keep on looking, continuous action. You can keep on hearing, continuous action. But you're not going to put it together for this reason. Your heart has become dull. In fact, the word dull literally means fat. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, you need to cut out your cholesterol. Why? Because it's clogging your arteries. What Paul's saying to these people is, you've got spiritually clogged arteries. You need to cut out your cholesterol. 
You need to have a stent put in to open up the artery to your heart. Listen. The stent is these people need to open their eyes and hear and understand that everything they knew about the Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. How about us, folks? We're not struggling with the same issues that the Jews struggle with, but you know what? You can sit in church your entire life and hear it all and have notebooks full of information. But until it moves from here to here, your life will never change. In fact, in Ezekiel, the Lord proclaims in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, He says, I will give this people a, a one heart and put a new spirit in them. I will take their heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft, that's able to hear and respond. You've closed your ears. You've covered your eyes. You ever sat in a scary movie when the scary part comes and you almost kind of start going, you know, you close your eyes, you cover up your ears, and you start making noise so you can't hear what's going on? Figuratively, that's what the Jewish people had done. And folks, figuratively, that's what the people of this generation are doing. The truth is right in front of their face. But we've closed our ears, we've closed our eyes, and we're just going through life going, no, 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 no. And we don't look stupid because everybody else is doing it. The ones who stick out are the ones who aren't doing it and have allowed the truth to impact their lives. And Paul left them with really hope. Here's the good news. This is what is happening right now. But if you would just open your eyes, if you would just hear with your ears, God offers to heal you. If you'll revert, return, repent, come back to this God, to the Jews who they knew all about, God will cure you. That's what the word heal means. God will cure you. In fact, the last thing he says is, therefore let it be known to you. Paul's really pronouncing judgment on a group of people. Listen, you have been given every opportunity to respond. Understand something. The message of God's salvation is free, is offered to you too. But listen, it's going to the Gentiles. Who does that mean? That means us. The word Gentile simply means ethnos. It means ethnic group. It means people group. And it extends all the way to us. Paul eventually got to Spain, we believe. I guess at that point, that was the edge of the earth. They thought if you went any further than that, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth. But here's the good news. It's gone past Spain. It's gotten to Merle's Inlet, South Carolina, and Churable, North Carolina. It's gotten to your house. And here's the good news. Turn to Christ and be healed. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you that good news really is good news. And so, God, I pray for someone, anyone here this morning that's never responded to the good news of Christ, that today would be the day where they acknowledge, yes, I know that I'm desperately needy for a Savior. I know that I'm a sinner. You don't have to convince me of that. But thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty so that through Him I could have eternal life. But God, I also pray for the majority of people in this room that have done that. God, may that truth so impact our lives that we would never 
be the same. How can we help from sharing good news? Thank you, Jesus.